Good evening and welcome to another late night latte on Latte Firm. Man, the Barclays is back and what an explosive start to this weekend. Arsenal, of course, winning at Sellers Park on Friday night for the season opener. We're going to dissect and jump into all of that. And then, of course, the fixtures just sort of, you know, unraveling before us. Liverpool drawing at Fulham, Chelsea sneaking a win away at Everton. Uh, United getting beaten at home to Brighton. I mean, just inject it. There's so much to talk about. Um, before I do, first things first. Actually, no, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do snacks in just a second when I, when I bring on Yem and, and, and was the guest. But let's get through some greetings very quickly. Chan says, evening all. It's so good to have you back on Chan, man. Uh, just by the way, I've been away in York for the whole weekend and I've raced back down the A1 to get here in time. So that is true dedication. Uh, I Dubito, your mug is on its way. Evening, everyone. Mug gang in the in the building. Feeling pretty smug tonight. Absolutely. Andrew Moon, let's go. Tezzy Mai, ready for some late night latte vibes. Mug fella. Life. Northern Lights, hello, hello. Uh, DFC, we are massive. And DFC, you should have said hello at the All or Nothing premiere. I did get your message. Mr. Chixpea, how are you? I'm good. I'm exhausted. Friday, Friday morning, early morning, went up to York for a family weekend with the wife and kids. All day in the sun Friday, all day, all day in the sun Saturday. And today in the afternoon, we left and I raced it back down to London. So I'm absolutely cracked. 450 odd miles on the clock. Um, Andrew Moon, Friday Night Football is the biggest uh, risk reward there is. They're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uncle Doris, even FK, lovely night for a latte. And the greetings go on. Patrick, great weekend, FK. Love these shows. There's going to be loads of these. And speaking of shows, by the way, uh, if you're not following on Twitter, Latte Firm will host a post-match space, basically pretty much after every game this season. And if you're not familiar with that, it's basically like a football phone-in and it's going to be the biggest and best Arsenal football phone-in that there is. So get involved on that. And of course, while you're on that, subscribe to this channel if you're new, if you like the content, like the video as well. It's greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's bring on the first guest. Well, first regular, really. Uh, Patrick, let's remove your comment. Thanks to all the beautiful... Oh, look at this. Evening, FK. Hello, beautiful man. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, Stuart says evening FK as well. There's loads coming through. Right. First and foremost, Yem Bele at Verge 59. Welcome, Yem. How are you, sir? I am I am good, man. It is a hot day. Hot. It's hot. Well, do you know what? When we when we reached London and got in towards the M11, right towards the end, yeah. oh man, the heat hit us. The, the temperature differential was like eight degrees, nine degrees to York. York was beautiful. Most... I've been Have in the really? garden most of the day because we have some Working friends around. So, oh, <laughs> mate, I need to, you know, it's just not brown enough. Fair enough. Uh, what's your choice of snack this evening? Because let me indulge. This is really Listers, mate, mate, Listers, what? lightly sea salted crisp. So we had a, in our hotel, we stayed at the principal, shout out to the principal in York, absolutely sensational. We had a couple of adjoining suites and every morning the lady basically came in and refilled the little snack tray with these. And there's also like a cheddar version. But Lister's, right, grown and cooked in Yorkshire, right? Proper <laughs> chips, these, proper. Absolutely sensational, mate. Yeah, what, what's your choice of snack tonight? I haven't got one because I've just been putting my little one to bed and I've had zero time between tidying oh, up. It is it's rough times. I, do you know what? Oh, I had Coke today, so... I'm set. I, I'm, you guys are going to do all the talking. Right. Um, it's good to see you, and it's good to see your, 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 you know, your pearly whites in full flow there. I want to bring in Woz. Arsenal Woz, mate. Love the show. Hello, What's hello. happening? How are you? <laughs> I thought we were a little, little naughty number to celebrate the first three points of the season, eh? Hey? Mate, it's mate, sensational. Every, oh, so good. Every time I come on here, it seems to be about 40,000 degrees outside, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's just, just me or what's going on. I don't know. 
the um, firm is yeah. bringing the heat. The firm is bringing the it heat. Is. I love it the really shirt. Are you, were, you, were you out and about golfing or something, or you just fancied a bit of fancy dress tonight? I just thought I'd do a little bit of fancy dress to celebrate the football being back, you know, eh? in a good it. mood. I love it, mate. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, uh, just take a few more comments. Hank, well, there you go. What's the snack tonight? Oysters. <laughs> Grown and cooked in Yorkshire. Uh, lightly sea-salted potato crisps. Absolutely delightful. Um, evening all from Joe Husson. Can't wait to see the size of the smile on Yem's face <laughs> following the Arsenal United it. results. Yeah, I love it. Shout love out it. to Joe, my friend. Uh, Eric Deborah, glad to be here live. Eric, it is a pleasure to have you on board, my friend. Uh, Ahmed says, little Lissandra. Yes, we're going to talk about that. The little midget played for Manchester United today. Um and and yeah, we'll talk about that maybe towards the end. Um, we're going to have Pedro joining us as well uh, at some point from from the states, just to give his kind of thoughts. But look, there's no no better place to start than me, of course, sharing my slides. So allow me to do that. Right on your screens now, you should be able to see that we were indeed ready for the new Barclays campaign. There you can see Mikel Arteta looking absolutely fantastic in his media photo shoots. Not going to dwell on this slide too much, Yem, because obviously you and I have covered this on a previous late night latte, but it kind of sets the scene. So was coming to you first. Preseason was absolutely tremendous for us, right? I mean, it's as good as it could have been. We won all of our major fixtures. There were there was a, a behind a d a closed doors friendly that we that we didn't win. And so I've, I and the club have decided to take that out. But, you know, we won all the all the right fixtures, won the Emirates Cup, won the Florida Cup, beat Chelsea, you know, pumped Chelsea. Um, we've made some really good moves in the window. Going into Friday night was, it was as good as preseason could have really been for us, right? First time in a long, long time. I mean, ultimately, serious positive vibes going on, weren't there, you know? It was all absolutely fine. So, <laughs> good pre-season, all set there, ready to rock and roll. But no, all jokes aside, we have not had a summer where we've gone into the first game of the season with a settled, balanced eleven that literally played the previous friendly. You know, we, we set up strong against Chelsea, went into the Sevilla game with a very similar team. And then again, we knew, I mean, in my head, I had no doubts about the starting eleven. I, I just was... 100% sure he was going to pick that same team. And it's it's actually quite a shock to the system to be to be turning up um, in such a good shape and such a good balance of the squad and, and knowing that Arteta's settled here and, and we're going to hit the, hit the ground running because the amount of times we've seen it, we know we've still got to do business. We've got till September before the window closes. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah, not this time. We're settled, we're ready. If we had more, we had more. But as it stands, you know, we was, we was going into that game, turning up to Palace with them, probably not off the back of the best pre-season. We were, we were ready to rock and roll. And, and my God, did we start and show it, eh? Well, we're going to talk about the game in a second, but I love the energy and the optimism in your voice. And you're right. The camp was great. As Gorav says, Gorav, hopefully I pronounced your name correctly, solid test at Palace. I mean, before going into the game was, you might have missed the last couple of late night lattes, but I made a big deal out of, out of sort of being a bit anxious going into the fixture. Look, it's a London derby. It's a season opener. Sky have picked us. You know, they've been sharpening their knives, Cara and Neville on duty. They were ready to really lay into us, especially after last year where we, where, you know, after we lost to Brentford. Um, did you fall for any of that? Or did you just see it on paper as a, right, it's Palace away, Arsenal are a superior team, superior club, we should be winning. Or were you a little bit sort of on edge about it being what could have been a tough London derby? Very on edge. You naturally are always going to Palace. I mean, like the last time we kept a clean sheet there, weren't it? It was Arteta got sent off and scored a penalty. That So that says how tough we've had it there down the years. But, I mean, the closer it gets to the game, I was just so excited to be back, mate. As a, Luckily enough, I get to obviously attend the games. And to be fair, I didn't see any of the build-up because I was on a pub crawl in London Bridge, you know. just it just It's so good to see all the faces that you haven't seen for months and months. 
got so many friends at their Arsenal that you don't actually see during the off period and you only see them, you know, at matches and it's it's just nice to be back with everyone and I think that over, overwhelming sort of feeling of, of excitement and joy to be back with everyone, just sort of the game, you don't forget about the game but it all gets very real when you get in the ground and, and, and that first ball kicked but yeah, it was just, just so good to be back and it felt like such a long summer for some reason, I'm not sure why but football's well and truly back on a Friday night in London so it couldn't have been any better, mate. Yeah, and it was a shorter summer, so you're right that that sort of you know the 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 heart grows fonder in the absence of a game, right? Um, and just the last thing on the on the attend and the atmosphere and the attendance, mate. I mean, obviously you were there, Yem and I watching from afar. You could tell, you could hear Arsenal fans were in tremendous voice, supportive of the boss, supportive of the team, and it showed towards the end with the lovely sort of tribute uh, chance to Patrick Vieira. I mean, what was it like just being there on the night? Yeah, just beautiful, mate. Just that, you know, to describe, you you guys both know that feeling of a, of a big goal going in. And, and that first goal of the season is always celebrated like such a big goal. Because it's almost a relief that you've been building up through the whole summer. And and after we, we'd, we'd obviously just before previously missed that chance. And then we get to get the chance really quickly again, Martinelli goal. No one knew who scored. Absolutely no. From where we were, no one. I didn't, I didn't have a clue who scored. But there's just, you know, there's bodies upside down, people all over the place. It's just such a great feeling of emotion. But yeah, the fans, you know, our away fans are fantastic, always are. But it's just something extra special about that first first away game of the season and especially a London fixture under the lights. It was just buzzing in there, mate. It really was electric. You could tell, mate. You could tell. Well, look, yeah, when the team news was announced, as was has kind of said, we played our strongest team against Chelsea and Sevilla. And again, these images courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. I've put the, the, the image on the left because I think it's quite a... Uh, I think it's quite important, you know, to realise and to acknowledge that we went to Sellers Park, of course, towards the back end of last season, 4th of April, I believe it was, and we got turned over quite comfortably. Three goals to nil, Mateta and Ayu scoring the first 25, Zaha winning a penalty in the second and scoring it himself. They were physically superior. They were just a better team than us, and it was a really bad night out for us on that Monday night. When the team news was announced, Yem, did you have flashbacks to that game? And was that pretty much the right team that we could have picked? I didn't really have flashbacks because, as was said, pre-season was a good indicator that we were settled and that, you know, this team knew what they had to do. So I was I was more positive than ever because we've had a settled pre-season and that's always beneficial. The season before, we had a dis massive disruption because, as was said, we were waiting on transfers, we were waiting on, you know, pretty much a, a mass overhaul of the team. That wasn't the case this season. We were adding pieces and we added the main pieces, to be honest. So when that lineup came up, I don't think anyone had any um, surprises because it was the one that started pretty much most of the important games in pre-season. So no issues with the the lineup. It was the strongest one you could have gone, gone for. There was a question about, about whether Tierney might start, but actually I thought, you know, for the start that we made, Zinchenko was the right choice. He'd played most of the games. Tierney hadn't had enough pre-season. So... I was really happy with how we started. You know, it's it, compared to last season, the Brentford game, where COVID literally hit us the day before, to have a settled team on the opening day of a, of a fixture and knows what they're doing was just such a, a refreshing change for us, and it made and it made all the difference. I think. No, you're absolutely right. I, before I come to you, was on the starting lineup, and and maybe we start talking about performances. Uh, comment that's just caught my eye. SK says, "Don't think pundits care about uh, us that much, mate. Let's drop the victim complex. Embarrassing. I mean, look, SK. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. I appreciate that. But if you can't take joy out of seeing our team 
quieten up some of the pundits that have quite clearly been on our backs for the last, I don't know, half a dozen or so years, even towards the end of the Wenger, uh, Arsene Wenger days. You need to find another sport, man, because this is so enjoyable. Like the way that they lay into us after the Brentford game last summer, as someone else mentioned, Carragher, I think, was dancing with the fans towards the end when they started chanting. Like you have to enjoy these moments. Like We may not win anything this season, but getting a point over the pundits, the media, rival fans, that's what it's about. So come on, man. I appreciate the comment. Really appreciate you watching. But, um, I, you know, you, you've got to you've got to you know when the agenda is clearly there you've got to enjoy these moments and so that's what i think that, that the chaps are doing and of course so many people in the comments are um was uh william saliba coming in to make his premier league debut we've raved you know wax lyrical about him during preseason, and we will focus on his performance shortly but were you surprised to see saliba play at center back and were you a little bit maybe anxious about ben white being played out wide to cover wilfried zaha Firstly, no, because I did. We, we discussed previously about Saliba, and I said, "Look, unfortunately, I love Benny White, but you know, move over this this man mountain is coming through." And um, just just quickly before we move on to Ben White, right back, just be- forget his performance. Just looking him as a as a man up close, the, the stature of the the, the player. He, I don't know how how big he comes across. Obviously, on the on the screen, but he is massive, mate. Genuinely, he's huge for a twenty year old man. He's unbelievably big and he's just, he doesn't run. He just sort of, I don't know, he like slides across the pitch at extreme speed. It's so weird, but he, he's just uh, like everyone compares him to a Rolls Royce and that's probably the best fit. But he's he's a massive, massive geezer. Just looking at him, warming up and, and even in the lineups, like, yeah, huge. But Benny White at right back, I think um, every, I'm not comfortable with it long term. I don't, I don't see it as a, a long term option. I think at the moment, Obviously, with Tommy Asu being out, I think people are happy to sit and um, and go with that. He, he done for the vast majority of the game. He he done well. I know we'll talk about instance in the game a bit later, but I think the vast majority of the game, obviously, won a lot of tackles. It's difficult up against Zaha. You know, um, Saka done his best to protect him at times, and and we had midfield coming across and stuff like that. So I can completely understand why he done it. Um, it just says doesn't really say much for Cedric um, and wh- where is his. Uh, sort of what is he going to be used and utilised this season if um, if this is already happening? That's a bit of a question there to, to be asked. But, yeah, I mean, I think defensively, he saw Will Zaha, maybe he thought that Benny White would be um, the, the better option just to sort of double up and get across on that right-hand side because um, he's given us so much trouble over the years and he's Zaha and he just seems to turn into the player he really should be week in, week out, but he seems to just do it against us. So, I can understand why Arteta had done it and I was just glad that we were settled and he had them games previous and we saw him with Saliba on the inside of him because that partnership is very key when defending channels. You you need to have reliance and we saw it time and time and time again. Saliba just coming across, sweeping up, you know, it's, it's, it's not a problem for these guys. So, yeah, I was, um, I was infused by it, but I think against lesser opposition when we're ball dominant, maybe that wouldn't be the option. And maybe that's where Cedric does play. Maybe that'll just answer my own question. But, you know, for, for that game, I think it made did make complete sense in, in, in a sense of being solid and then moving from there. No, you're quite right. I completely agree with everything you're saying. And just on William Saliba, we'll eulogise about him shortly. But yeah, he's just a giant of a man. Uh, what an incredible debut. And... He's got Van Dyke tripping already. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the former Manchester City boys making their debuts. 
Uh, Sinchenko was obviously always going to play left back because Kieran Tierney's not quite 100% yet. But as people have said in the comments, Tierney coming back is is both pleasing and he, he also did quite well. We'll talk about the late substitutions. And Gabby Jesus, I mean, an inspired performance. Like within 20 minutes, you're seeing what we've lacked all last season with having someone like Lacazette. Um, for all everything that he's done for the club, but you, there's, a, there's, you know, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? Yeah. Thoughts about the Manchester City boys or ex-Manchester City boys? Um, no, Gabriel Jesus had an amazing debut. That first forty-five, he was literally pulling that defense apart. His movement, the spins, that spinning behind, and where he took on three or four players was ridiculous. It deserved a goal. That was the only thing missing was a goal, and you know. But that you can see it's coming because his movement is so sharp. It is literally on a razor blade how how quick he is, and and I think his pressing performance as well was really good. I thought, again, similar to the games he's played, he was initiating the press. He was the one forcing starting the press, and everyone compacted in. It was a really good performance, and obviously he ran himself into the ground, you know, uh, you know, and he had to be taken off, you know, around about the seventy-ish minutes. But I thought it was a great start. I'm honestly looking forward to seeing him this weekend at the Emirates because I think he will get a goal. I think that was the only thing missing from that performance. On Zinchenko, um, technically very good. Um, you know, had you know good minutes. I think the only thing I think everyone was obviously worried about was his defensive performance. And I think there were moments where he got done by his, you know, by Jordan Ayew. So we already know that. Defensively, he's not the strongest, but his technique and the way he covers the midfield and adds that extra element to the midfield is actually quite nice. And I think that's what obviously helped us in retaining the ball for those first few, first few, first half an hour. It was unplayable the way we played through. And I think it's a case of Zinchenko just needs to be, you know, just a little, you know, bit more aware pushing back. But again, as I said before, in certain games, we're going to have Zinchenko pushing up high. And then maybe in other games where we have a, another winger, and I think maybe Tierney might have started if he was fit, because I think we needed probably a left back. And when he came on, actually Tierney had a you know was a, was much more defensively solid. But I think he's a great option to have technique wise. He plays really well, and it's nice to see you know we have competition in that left back spot. Talking of left backs, Nuno Tavares. I don't know if you've seen. There was a comment yeah. earlier on, and I did see it before <laughs> coming Nuno Tavares' performance. My God. It was AT who said, Tavares has scored an incredible goal for Marseille. So he's making his league 1 debut tonight, and he's basically taken on a player, cut back on his right foot, and drilled it in from outside the box along the ground. I mean, what an enigma. Look, I look personally, I think there's a player in Tavares. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of his flaws and, and you know, reported weaknesses are coachable um and you know i've heard lots of people sort of say that but there are a lot of people that just have, have decided to write him off so it's just because you you talked about the left backs there i well, thought i'd bring that up I, he's got a great i will goal. say we will caveat that with nuno tavares by all accounts on twitter is having a mare defensively um so it's it is <laughs> a very I, i've always said tavares is like an abu the second coming of abu you know he's he has moments of brilliance that absolutely yeah. Obviously, has moments of, of complete mayhem. So, hopefully, they can coach that out. But it doesn't surprise me he scored a goal, but is having a terrible defensive performance. We shall see. Before we talk about the game itself and the goals, uh, just one thing that I can't escape from from this particular slide, Jim, on the space that we had straight after the game, which was like the, the Arsenal call in, if you like, on Twitter. You were quite 
critical of Erdegaard. Um, you didn't think it was one of his better games. Do you want to elaborate sort of further on that for the YouTube audience? Right. So, so we had this debate, me and my, myself and Mo, Mo Hader, who hosts a, a YouTube channel as well, is a prominent Arsenal, you know, commenter, you know, YouTuber. I, for me, Erdegaard had, I called it a mare. Maybe that's too strong a word, but he wasn't up to his usual, you know, his standard and the standard I expect from uh, what I assume will be and should be, uh, you know, a world-class or, a t you know, very good attacking midfielder. I didn't see it today. A, the chance that he had where he was clean through and he should have shot, he passed it off, not good enough. If you are being one of, if you, if I said it before on another one, if you're modelling yourself after the best centre attacking midfielder, which is Kevin De Bruyne, in my opinion, there's a shot on sight element to Erdogan. And he put up, he had... You know, he should have that. And he's got himself into some really good positions and then, you know, essentially passed it off again. He's got to be more brave in taking the shot. Trust his ability. He's got a great shot on him. We've seen it before. So why not trust yourself to make that shot and have a go? And then the other problem I had with Odegaard in this game and, I've, and in a couple of games is when he's the one who has to release the pressure, i.e. he's got the ball and you have to hoof it upfield or get the pass off. He's been found to take too many touches and he got done. And I know Palace are very good at compacting the press and they did very well at that. But there are games where Erdegaard is going to get that, especially against top class opposition more and more. They're going to figure out that Erdegaard is pressable and he will he will crumble under that. So he's got to work on that. He's the captain. And like, look, I, I, I'm going to take some flat for it, but I expect better of him. And I pro he probably expects better of himself. Look, this isn't about you taking flat. This is a game of opinions. And, and you made your point really well, actually, I thought, on the space. And I want to come to Was, But before I do that, look, there's just shy of 300 people watching this video live right now, which is insane, of course. But drop a like on the video, of course. But let me know in the chat. What was your, you know, what did you guys think of Erdogan's performance? Was it, you know, is this something that we should learn to live with, that he does go missing? Or do you think actually it was all right? Was your thoughts on Erdogan and then sort of elaborate further on the on the performances of Party and Jacka? But do you see what Yem's saying was or... Do you actually think that he had a pretty good game? No, I completely agree with you, and it's 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 not an issue to state this. Is you know this is this is what he's seen, and what and I, I tend to agree with him. I, I think what happens with Odegaard, it seems to be for me in high intensity games. He, it, sometimes the game is just a bit too fast for him, and that's you know there's there's certain games where it, it is high intensity, and he's been unbelievable, you know, and that is when you look at him and think, my God, this kid here, and he's still he's still so young, he's still just twenty three years of age, like. You know he's on he's on his way to being genuinely world class, and and the only way he's put in world class performances, but the the way you're you're sort of classed as that elite level is by consistency, and and that will come. I, I, I'm I, at first there was questions, you know, and then I you know more I've watched him and I've seen enough to realise, do you know what he's learning? He's he, you know he's, he's he's gaining every year, and and everything Yem says is right. He should be more risk. He should take more risks. There was one on the edge of the box in the first half. I mean, the one in the second half was just inexplicable, really. You just put your right foot through it and smash it at goal. And worst case scenario, it comes out, you know, it's just, um, but that's just, that's hopefully confidence. When you're one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one through on goal, and he was, don't make, make no mistake, no one can say it. He was one-on-one -on -one through on goal. Just smash it. He's got a shot on him. Why? He's got that, uh, you know, someone said it on the, you know, I think it was Gav on the space, said he's got a very Ozil-esque about him. And that's what, that scares me a little bit because, Ozil had the ability to shoot on site and Erdegaard's got it as well. And we're getting into that phase where if he keeps doing that, he's going to put himself at risk of just being 
you know, very ordinary. Kevin De Bruyne, and look, I keep going back to him, but he is the the, the role model for CAM. He's he's the best in the business. Has a shot on him. He passes well, but he also has a shot. You've got to take more risks. You've got to be more decisive. That's what's going to elevate him, and he's got to be better at when the press is on him. You've got to think more. He's he's a smart guy. That's why he's the captain. But he was he he was so lethargic in how he moved the ball in terms of his. What should I do next? What should I do next? And I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, I'm just, just think, go on, go on, no, go on. No, that's all right, mate. I was just going to say, I, I just genuinely, I do think, you know, it's just one of them games, high intensity match, very difficult to get up to the pace of the game. If you're not quite with it, you're not quite with it. I actually think he should have been taken off a lot earlier in the game. I, I, I think I, so too. I, I think he lasted a bit too far, but, you know, ultimately, uh, Arteta was looking at the situation. It's one 0 It's a tight game. He doesn't want to take the risk of of disrupting things. And yes, he didn't have his best game, but you know, it's game one of a very very long season. And I do share your concerns with regards to him taking more risks. But I do hope that with age, that will naturally come because some midfielders don't start adding genuine genuine numbers to sort of you know like twenty six, twenty seven years old when when it comes to goal scoring. So I do share it. But also the good thing I do think in the back of my head he is. Damn well got a strike on him and he can use both feet and, and hopefully he gets more confidence. And I think once he gets a role and maybe he gets a couple of goals, you know, we'll see him be more aggressive in them situations, which is what we all want. And, and just to round it out, sorry, Fies. I I'm just going to enjoy my listers, right? And, and, I, <laughs> and Mo said this as well. Look, Mo said this as well. Erdegaard is an excellent player. He presses really well. He's always pressing. I've got nothing but respect for that. But it's my expectation, and I'm, I'm thinking it's probably his as well. I'm betting you, in his mind, he knows he had a poor game by his high standards, that he should be, you know, he presses well, but he was ineffective. I don't think he was very effective in the game at all in terms of his passing. I think he knows, and I'm hoping that because of the personality he is, the Leicester game, I'm going to see him fly out. He's going to score. He's always going to be really taking the game by the scruff of the neck. That's what I want to see. I want Erdegaard to... I, I love Erdegaard. I think when we signed him, I was I was so happy because he's a genuine world-class talent. And as was said, he will add goals. There's no doubt. It's just maybe because we, we expect so much of him. He's so young, but we've seen that he's got the maturity. He's the captain now that we expect too much of him. But Maybe I, you know, I mean, some people in the comments are saying I'm overreacting. Maybe I am, but I think he's got very high standards. And I, I think I have high standards for him. No, look, I, I did see that the, there was a, there was there was one comment that suggested that you're overreacting. But look, it's a game of opinions, right? And I think you've articulated your point well enough on this channel um, over, a, the, you know, the course of a few shows, Yem, where we've both agreed that Odegaard is clearly a talented player and an absolute bargain. And he is young. And that was going to be my point when Moz said it. He's, you know, 23, is he, from memory? 22 um, still, isn't he? He's 22. Yeah, so he's got a lot of time to kind of um, boost his numbers and have more influence. And with experience, and now that he's the captain that added responsibility at Arsenal, he can take his game to another level. Um, but I would agree with you. There have been games in the past where he's just not turned up. And I, I don't know whether they're just bad days at the office or if that's just tiredness or or lack of ability to influence a game and you know you got to bear in mind the premier league is a ruthless and relentless league i'm looking at the the newcastle away fixture towards the back end of last season when we were desperate for a result and you wanted your yeah. creative players to really you know leave their footprint basically on that game if i can use that as an expression and that happens a few times in a season but 
he does score in big games. You know, he scored against Manchester United. He scored in the Europa League games. He's, you know, he 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 does net. And I think that's my biggest challenge for for Erdegaard now that. I want to see you with a much better output in the final third. I want to see you more devastating in front of goal. I want to see you obviously pulling the strings and being more influential and being able to take a game by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, if the team are playing here, you need to elevate the team to here in, in that game. That's what I want to see him do. And I think it will come with time. So um, FK, just quickly before you leave, it, I just want to say the best comparison you can possibly have is look at that Cesc Fabregas explosion. Because he went from not contributing goals, not being in a to bang, you know, and, and it literally can be a flick of the switch. And, and with a player with that much quality, when Cesc come into the team, you know, with regards to the final third output, it took him a bit of time. And then all of a sudden that season, you know, unbelievable. He was just unstoppable. You could not stop the goals coming, the runs from deep midfield. And they're very similar in the positions they take up in a sense that it's half eight, half ten. You know, it, it, it really will come. So let's, I don't think we should be too concerned yet with that. I think, I think it's going to be like that. Good. Uh, there's a lovely comment here from Aaron Savage, the Savage Gooner on Twitter. Loving the show so far, lads. Uh, big up FK for how well he's done with the channel. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, and the guests for cracking conversation. It is the guests and the viewers who make the show. So thank you so much, Aaron, the Savage Gooner on Twitter there. Right. Uh, let's move on to the actual game itself. Uh, first 20 minutes, we flew out the blocks, I thought. We were quite intense. Well, as you can see on the comment uh, from Jamie Carragher, courtesy of Sky Sports, the first half felt like we were watching City or Liverpool, and presumably he's talking about Arsenal rather than Palace. But honestly, was sticking with you, you were there. We flew out the blocks. We really sort of, um, we suffocated Palace. We were, again, really intense. We, we pressed well. We were organised. We were sharp. We looked fit. And of course, we got our first goal. But, you know, just tell us what you were watching sort of first 20, 20 minutes, half an hour. I mean, you must have been convinced that this is, a, this is going to be a good performance. Heaven. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. For, for me personally, the, the three best teams that I can recall seeing live in my life are Pep's Barca, Pep's Bayern and Pep's Man City. And, and the main reason, and it, it, just the way they hunt in packs, it's, 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 and it's all tactical. It's all, there's no players getting completely dragged out of position and it's nothing stupid. They just know where to be and when to be there. So when one's pressing the ball, it becomes free. And that happens so quickly that we converge and win the ball back. And it's the hunger. When we did lose it, when there was a turnover, they weren't getting out of their half. They were not getting out of their half. And everyone was already in their positions. They were all fully aware. And when you watch, when we win the ball, we move back to shape again. And it's, it was, um, honestly, it was a, one of the best sort of 25, 30 minutes I've seen under Arteta. It was just so structured, so good, so hungry. Everything was right. I mean, everything everyone was doing, like Yem alluded to earlier, I mean, Gabby Jesus, the spit, I mean, he was dropping short. Uh, we, you know, it weren't really a game for the attackers in the final third, but what he gave to the team, he's pressing everything when he's dropping short, short, sharp spins, defenders, just, they just couldn't deal with it. And, and it all culminated in us putting in an unbelievable sort of first half hour. And you just think you can never sustain that. You can, even the top, top teams, unless they're on the, you know, their ultimate game, you can't sustain that. But what I think we did do, not jumping the gun, but we had that 30 minutes, we took the lead and then we were settled, you know, and we were back in and I felt quite comfortable for the vast majority. I know we'll talk about incidents, but yeah, I just thought that coming out of the blocks like that was just so good to watch. And the, the most important thing was how hungry and how quick we got that ball back. It was just frightening to see in a good way. 
No, you're absolutely right. And actually, you, you, the, the timing is perfect for our sort of uh, special guest tonight, which is Pedro uh, Legrove. Ped, welcome to the firm, the Late Night Latte. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. We're good. We're really good. The Barclays has kicked off in some fashion. You know, obviously Arsenal winning on Friday night, uh, Liverpool dropping points. Look at look at us, Liverpool dropping points. As if what as a if. weekend! What a weekend! Oh, <laughs> United my word. getting embarrassed at home. But look, look, thanks for joining us, Ped. We've just started talking about the performance. We've just been covering the sort of starting lineup and preseason and how we felt and stuff. But was was I just asked was about the first twenty minutes, first half an hour. He was, of course, at the game on Friday night. We started with with a real desire you know we we started we, we wanted to make we wanted to go out there and make a point and just a few weeks ago we were at palace and we got undone we were humbled quite easily quite comfortably in a 3-0 defeat what were your thoughts on the performance pedro particularly that sort of first half uh, first half an hour you know we kicked off and we really took the game to them didn't we yeah i, I thought it was a an underrated performance i think crystal palace uh really really difficult side to play against you know they lost they lost four times at home last year they've got a lot of extremely aggressive fast um technically gifted players in their side like patrovera seems to like collecting these street footballer uh type players who love to play against arsenal uh zaha is a nightmare i thought um tactically our weak spot was going to be ben white um, and I was a little bit worried about, you know, going into the game. We almost felt like he was adapting to that right-back position um, a little too well. Um, and I thought we came out the blocks. You know, the the game against Palace before came after an international break. Um, you know, we either lost or didn't have Tierney, Party, and Tommy Asu. Didn't have Tommy Asu and Tierney again. And we looked like a completely different team. Um, every issue that we exited the season with, has been resolved and like the the way that we were cutting through palace in the first 30 minutes it was it was like a knife through butter um, that verticality just it, i don't know it, it felt like a type of football we haven't seen in a long time and um you know the second half wasn't as positive but i think everyone's got to remember it takes you know six to eight games to get to true match fitness but i thought we were largely in control and um and that's a difficult away game to get out of the way. Friday night at the noisiest ground uh, in the Premier League. So um, I'm really, really happy. And like, let's be real. You know, we've got, I think we've got eight games until the first international break. That's the hardest one until we play Man United away, I think. So um, if we can get off to a good start against uh, Leicester next week, I think we're, we could get ourselves on a nice little run, but that's a confidence builder. Um, I think the fans can finally see the the vision and um, there's lots to be excited about. So yeah, I'm really, really happy. There is indeed. And Yem, you know, was just talked about that first half hour. We were great. We scored the first goal, uh, which of course was a, a routine that Mikel Arteta said after the game was something they worked on in training the day before. Nico Jova working his magic. So Sinchenko heading it across back in from the corner and of course Martinelli uh, heading home. Um, after we'd gone 1-0 up, yeah, we, I thought we were a little bit on the ropes. Like Palace decided to sort of up their game a little bit. They wanted a reaction, came close. Ramsdale making a really key save from, from Eze with a wonderful pass from Zaha. Did you feel the same, Yem? Did you ever, or were you, were you quite comfortable? Um, you know, how are you feeling at 1-0? No, I think once Palace started to grow into the game, of course you're worried. They have got weapons you know, up front and on the wings, you know, Zaha, Jordan Ayew um, and, you know, uh, uh, Edouard. But 
it was that that was the point where the resilience started to show up. You know, the Salibas, the Gabriels, um, Ben White. I thought, you know, back to Ben White. I actually thought, you know, because he's not a natural right back against Zaha, one of the best wingers in the Premiership. I thought he actually had a very good game. He, you know, he wasn't done too much. He was he was aware of his danger man. He covered well, and he knew Saliba was going to cover him, so he knew the limit. He knows his limits. He's not silly. He know he understands what he can and cannot do. He's not going to overlap very well. He's not going to do that. But he he understands what his role is. And when it was came to Zaha, it was to defend, push him out as much as possible, make him feel uncomfortable. And he thought he did that. But, you know, Anderson, with those passes, you know, it was you've got to give the take your hat off to how well he was passing. It was left and right, left and right, left and right. And you expect that from Palace. It, you know, of course, as Pedro said, they're a fast, aggressive, street fighter-like team. They were going to come out. They've had a disruptive preseason, but that doesn't take away from their, you know, their general, you know, attributes. They are a good pressing team, and they start to grow into the game. It's we're we're going to have this. When as, as you know was said, the first six or seven or eight games, you're not at your full tilt. You can't expect to be at ninety minutes. Bang, 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 bang. Every game I've seen this weekend, no team, and I mean no team, has been at that level. They're all getting into their fitness groove and they're trying to find their way. And they have periods of good play, but then there is a you know, the Man Man City game today was just pretty much pass, 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 wait for an opening, Erlen Haaland, goal. But it was a it was laborious at points because, you know, it was passing because obviously they're building their fitness. They don't want to give the ball away. That's what Man City's MO is. And that was the same with, you know, we wanted to control the, the play. We're not there yet. And Crystal Palace, we know from last year, are an excellent team at pressing hard and then winning it and being dangerous on the attack. Well, we also know that, that at Selhurst, when they score, the fans get right behind them. And was exactly. Ramsdale's made an amazing save uh, from from the, uh, the the through ball from Zaha in the second half. And Eze, all of a sudden, I mean, I know where you sit at Selhurst Park, and you're probably seeing it through the pillar, through the lowered roof. I mean, your heart must <laughs> uh, your heart must have been in your mouth. I mean, when that ball's gone through and Eze is opening up his body, are you thinking right one one tricky half hour to go, or or you know what did you think of the save? They're just fine margins, aren't they, mate? At that level, you know, we, we got to a stage in the game where, I, you know, weirdly, I never really felt that sort of alarmed, which sounds strange at Selhurst Park. Like Pedro says, very, very difficult place to go. And, and, and anyone who's been there will understand it, is, it really is a cauldron of noise when it gets going. And um, I just think, just quickly on Benny White, the only, where everyone, the only two situations we had were actually where we nearly conceded both goals. The one in the first half, um, with the Edward header, he just he just sort of fell asleep, got caught positionally unaware because he's not not naturally used to defending on that side as a you know rather than being centre back and right back. It just we got caught there, and then the second one is more unfortunate on his half because it was sort of in transition. He got back and he was at left back, but he just he just tried to take it round the player, didn't he? Instead of just you know retaining possession, he got a bit excited and Erdegaard filled in at right back and just they. Zaha, great ball through. But yeah, from where I sat, I mean, looking at it, you're right at the angle. You think he's just going to slot it around him. And thankfully, I mean, Ramsdale stayed big, done all he could do. And um, as a sort of bottled the finish. But then you, you're going to expect them moments in them kind of games, mate. And, it, and unfortunately, you, you, you're not going to go for a whole game not conceding them, especially against teams like Crystal Palace. So uh, it's just one of them moments. And Ramsdale stayed big and he'll get a big pat on the back from that. But um, it's, it's, it's similar like the Martinelli chance in the, at the right at the start of the game. You know, on another day that goes in, 
we're 2-0 up. So I just think in football at that level, you know, we're always going to see things like that. And as a fan, obviously, you're watching it, you're thinking, goal. As soon as you see the pass go through, you're thinking he's just going to open his body, slot it bottom corner like Thierry Henry does a thousand times over. And he didn't. And then from then, you think you gain a bit of confidence. But the worst thing is we defended well. I don't think we looked particularly at threat for the vast majority of the game. So it was just a one-off moment where we got caught in transition, a little individual error, and they were in. So that's what happens, though, against big big games and, and big moments. So fair play to Aaron Ramsdale because he's, you know, took a bit of stick lately um, from certain quarters. And it was very nice to see him stand up like that and make that big, big save in that moment of the game. Talk about the second goal in just a second. And before I come to you, Pedro, about substitutions and how late they were. Jordan, thanks a lot for the for the super chat. Uh, Arteta, Saliba, Latte. That's it. That's the super chat. Thank you, my friend. Really, really greatly appreciated. Um, Pedro, I want to come to you about just substitutions. Yem made a point there about, look, no one was really at the races for 100% of 90 minutes this weekend. It's the first game of the season. That's what you expect. I recall watching the game sort of almost shouting at the screen like Mick make some changes like they the, Crystal Palace were just edging closer and closer and if you look at the, tr- the 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 sort of XG story like the trail that you can see over 90 minutes there's various data houses that provide that there was a moment just before we got our second where Palace were really on top um were you surprised at how late Mikel made those changes or were you expecting that Pedro and kind of lead us into the conversation for the second goal because when Nketiah finally did come on he played quite an influential role in that goal yeah, I, I was. I, I thought that I, I was hoping that he would make the the subs a little bit earlier. We did, the bench the bench did look a little bit light. Um, there wasn't. The, I, I I think at the moment there aren't obvious players that that you can bring on. Kieran Tierney felt like a little bit of a risk because he hasn't had a lot of um, match practice and get giving you giving your your left back um, match practice against Palace is is a little bit risky. Um, and it, in the end, it it kind of worked out. I, I suspect the substitutes will come a little bit earlier um, when everybody gets a little bit of uh, a little bit of game time in the legs. And you know, Tommy Asu, and uh, he's, he's getting minutes today. And um, so, yeah, I mean, he's not. I, I don't think he's like. There's a bit of a. I think there's a bit of a myth that Arteta is terrible with subs. I don't think that that really plays out um, in reality. But yeah, he brought on Eddie in the end. Um, took the two City boys off. But um, yeah, I, I just I'm just not sure that he fully trusts that bench at the moment. Sambi Lukonga, as like I love Sambi, but there's there's a few moments where he's been brought on in games over the last six months where he comes on and and, and things don't quite work out. So yeah, I think when you get more more quality on that bench, I think you'll see subs coming in a little bit earlier. And I think the the bigger challenge for Arteta moving forward is going to be rotation. That was that kind of undone us last year. We should have rotated Tommy Asu. You've seen from the All or Nothing um, video that Arsenal knew about Tommy Asu's calf problems. We know Thomas Partey um, picks up injuries uh, on the regular. So we've got a fairly easy run of games compared to what will come later on in the season. Um, how early he subs players off when it's clear that we've won and um, how well he rotates is going to dictate how well our season goes. So hopefully um, that's not a sign of things to come. And listen, Ped, I know you're going to leave us shortly, but thoughts on William Saliba. Loads of love coming in in the comments. uh, Gary Neville said after the game that he was massively impressed by him and he reminded him of a young Rio Ferdinand. And I want to focus on the comment of um, Archisman Mukherjee. Feeling so relaxed about the games against the apparent mid-table teams. Don't feel like we'll concede many. Saliba, 
uh, we'll, uh, and, and we'll definitely score a few. Uh, probably setting myself up for pain. Yeah, you, you might be, but just eulogize quickly, Pedro, about how you're feeling about Saliba and Arsenal in general. Like we won two nil, London derby, first game of the season. Um, you know, how you're feeling about the, the the chances we've got? But but Saliba first. I'm feeling great about uh, William Saliba. I think the four and a half thousand minutes that he got last season, there's there's not a question that it was the correct decision to send him out on loan. Bob Holding got 1,200 minutes uh, last season and Saliba probably would have got less. So he's one of, he's, I think he is the most experienced 21-year-old centre-back uh, in Europe at the moment. Um, probably got more minutes at his age than, than any other centre-back in the Premier League of that age. Um, and he, he's come back, he's experienced, he's fit, um, he looks confident, like he really enjoyed his loan spell. Um, I think the only thing that I would, you know, I, th- I think we do have to temper um, expectations a little bit. I, I know that he looks a little bit like Virgil van Dijk on the pitch. I know that he looks like he's going to be a generational talent, but this there's a bit of a familiar pattern of behaviour with Arsenal fans. Martinelli, we need him in the side. Smith Rowe, we need him in the side. And they go through a little dip and everyone's like, oh, they're shit. And Saliba's going to make mistakes this season. He's going to have ups and downs like he did last season when he was on loan. So it's like, I think people should give him a little bit of space. Like like everybody's hyping him to like an unbelievable level, but the Premier League is a nightmare league. Just look at what happened to um, Van Dijk against Mitrovic. You know, he got, he got turned inside out a number of times. So it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a big season for him. Um, I think it's amazing that we've got a selection of centre-backs um, that have such like very specific strengths and they're all under the age of, of 25. So, you know this this arsenal this this arsenal group of defenders in 5 years time the average age of where the man united squad is right now i think our, our average age of our squad is about 23 average age of the uh, the squad at city and liverpool is about 5 years older like we, we we've got a title contending defense um that's brewing at the moment so get the kinks out of the system this season and then you know it's going to be staggering where they go because um there's so much talent throughout but William Saliba just looks like the he looks like the real deal. He really does. I'm so happy for him. You just finally, you talk about potentially a title-winning defense. I mean, the rest of the team, rest of the squad. What are you expecting from Arsenal this season, Pedro? My expectation is that there is a, there's there's a, an opportunity, there's an opening for someone to break into the top three this season. I'm I'm not overly convinced by Chelsea, nor overly convinced by Spurs and United are in a total shambles um, at the moment. And I think it's going to be impossible for Ten Hag to, to, to get them to where they need to be. So I, I think there's an opportunity for Arsenal to go for third. Um, we've got 69 points last year without a striker, without backup fullbacks um, and without a, a solution to Thomas Party. We've solved most of those problems this year. We're going to score goals. All of these players are going to be a little bit more experienced and um, and the, the system is already looking a lot better than it did at the end of last season. The technical level is so much higher. So if we get a winger like Moussa Diaby and a midfielder like Tielemans, like, I expect third. <laughs> I know that it's over the top. I think we can get to... I think we can get to 75-plus points, and that should be enough for third this year. So um, we've got to prep for a title challenge next year. Next summer, it's got to be adding the, the you know, the, Vir- uh, the Virgil van Dijk, uh, and the keeper to the mixer type move. Uh, and then uh, like maybe Pep leaves in the summer. Maybe Klopp doesn't have the season that he wants, but like it's got to be a title challenge next year. It's got to be third this year. 
I love the optimism. Pedro, have a lovely day. Have a lovely week, my friend. And we'll hope to have you back on Latte Firm at some point. Thanks for joining. Lovely speaking to you guys. Bye. Uh, so look, Pedro just given us his thoughts about Saliba and obviously the, the future of the season. But just going back to the game to finish off this game uh, was we did get the goal. It was a bit fortuitous on our part. Bukayo Saka right in front of you, sort of uh, after a lovely ball from Inketia, to be fair, out wide, running towards the box. He's crossed it in with his right foot and it's obviously gone in as an own goal. Um, I think the timing of that <laughs> allowed me to breathe, you know, for, with relief. But I mean, you guys must have just been, you know, cloud nine cloud cookie land uh, cuckoo land when when that went in mate i think we got a bit fortuitous but it was very very much of goal of our own making and it summed up for me epitomized the performance if you watch right back it was must have been about it's over a minute and a half two minutes odd that we keep the ball prior to that we made 15 passes of them 15 passes only two of them the players took more than two touches and that summed up the way we were playing. It's short, sharp, it's quick, it's incisive, it's intelligent. They know where they're going. One of the players that took the touches was Aaron Ramsdale. He took three to play a long ball that we won the header and knocked it down. And the other one was Kieran Tierney, where he took four on a touchline and passed it back. So we built, and the most impressive thing, at the start of that, to regain possession, Palace were in transition and we just got bodies. We got pure bodies back behind the ball. Thomas Party wins the challenge. We then... And Ketia lays it off and we relax. And it's one, two, three, a little triangle. We've got the ball back. And then we settled and then we built, we played, we got the ball out, we went long, we come back, in and out, across the pitch, bang. And, and then that shows you, that's way more than just, um, you know, that last sack across. That That is hours and hours and hours and hours of work on the training ground. And after being that tired for that long, being on the rocks a bit in that period of play, it just shows where we're at as a squad that we can withstand that and then we've still got the, the strength and, and, and the ability to get the ball back, calm the game, play through, the subs make the impact. And um, and yeah, and I just think going forward, it weren't really a game for players like Gabby Jesus. We, we only attempted 11 crosses in the whole match, only two of them found our player. So when we do start firing and dominating games and we're Jesus is going to score loads and loads and loads. So, yeah, and the same with Saka as well. We had a quiet game. Erdegaard had a quiet game. But all of this, we battled, we were strong. We got through the storm and then we come out the other side with a fantastic passage of play. If you get a chance, go back and just watch, just literally watch the two minutes before the way we all filtered back. We got in strong behind the ball. We won the tackle and then bang, 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 bang. Two minutes later, game's over. Good night. And that is that epitomised our performance, if you ask me. I love it. Just, you know, when you when you hear about it and you're talking through it, I'm just sort of reminiscing about it. Um, but reminiscing about the final whistle was probably more enjoyable as well, yeah, uh, because obviously <laughs> the final whistle went. I, you know, I, I finally sat down and I was able to sort of breathe in, in relief and, and excitement. And, and yeah, at full time, I mean, I, I was so happy, so happy. It was the opening game, like we've said so many times on this channel in, in, in shows, but to actually get the win... And then the tributes to Patrick Vieira it was all very touching, wasn't it? It was all it was just 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 good fun. Go on, Yem. How did you feel at full time? Uh, the, the away fans are always awesome. You know, you know. I wish there was more of them at the Emirates. You know, in terms of the noise they make and and the vibe they bring. You know, it's always buzzing. And and actually, throughout the game, they were really loud, and it was so impressive. So it was part of that. You know, big up to you and the away end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, do you know what the you know, I was I was like you. I was relieved at the end of that game. You know, the second goal just calmed me down because you know at that point, look, Palace had been pushing on the door. 
but to get the other goal that would have deflated them just the just the timing of it was perfect you know finish the, even the arsenal players knew you know look just don't mess it up and we are good because that second goal killed off any of the momentum they had and you could see it so for me you know first game out of the way it's not like last season where we were we had an absolute shambles of a team and we couldn't compete this this year we settled team and we we had a very good performance look the first half we flew out the block. Second half was more di- disciplined, resilient, but it was a good performance for the start of the season, and that's all you want. And as I said, momentum is key. Get the win, move on, job done, on to the next. Because it's a tough place to go, Crystal Palace. As, as was said, we've been there before, and we we haven't had great results. So let's look at this as a, as a positive. Next game, Leicester, Leicester at home. I I expect much more. You know, in terms of. You know, Leicester today had a had a okay game, two two, but they gave away goals, and you can see that their squad is not ready for the season as much as we are. So I, I'm expecting a lot more. I'm looking forward to just seeing how we keep the momentum, how we improve the amount of time that we spend pressing, etc. The stuff that we did in the 30th, 30th minute, it's all positive. There's nothing, you, you know. There's very, you know, we spoke about the negative of Erdogan's performance, but again, he still put in a shift. So it's it's all you know it's a it's a good feeling at the moment, which is very unusual for the start of the season. Lots of nice comments coming in. I've got a question before we move away from this game and focus on maybe the the last bit of the window. Look at the league table and some of the other results this weekend. There's a question here from Edward uh, Momani. Any concern with us not being able to create a single chance for Gabriel Jesus? Was I want to come to you first? I mean. He had a really good performance, I thought, a really good performance, but there were there wasn't a clear-cut chance that we had created for him. There was that dribble and shot that Yem talked about where he sort of beat two, three players and obviously the deflection, it kind of, the ball just kind of ricocheted away. Are you worried about that, Was, or are you just loving what you're seeing? I, I do understand the comment and I can understand why people would feel that way, but no, personally, I don't. What he brings to the game, you know, when Lacazette wasn't getting chances created for him, his involvement uh, with his back to goal, you know, he got a lot of praise for it at times. But I actually thought, you know, people now will be watching Gabby Jesus and they'll be like, oh, bloody hell, what was I watching? Like, like genuinely, it's, it's not, uh, you know, not slight to players in the past or whatever, just the reality is Jesus is just simply incredible. He, he's pressing, he, he's, he's, when he gets it, he comes to feet, he shows and he's, he spun me before I can even see him, let alone the defender right in front of him. He's just gone, you know, and it's just electric to watch. But like I was saying, it's not. it wasn't really a game where we sort of, although we dominated the, the sort of first half hour, we took our chance from the set piece. We did create a couple of chances in open play. We moved the ball well. Zinchenko had a shot and we had obviously the bit where Jesus nutmegged the geezer. I went, I don't know, he's doing whatever he wanted, taking the mick, wasn't he? And then unlucky he didn't get the shot away and then it comes to Martinelli should have scored. But once we scored the goal, it was almost as if, OK, we need to sort of exert control here. And I think we sort of backed off a bit. And in other games, I don't think Saka had his best performance. I think Erdegaard struggled in, in an attacking sense. They they worked hard enough, you know, and we had moments. But the reality was we didn't sort of dominate and create those chances. But it's very, very difficult against a side like that. They're big, physical. They, they really do limit you to few chances. As Yem said, I think earlier they lost, what, four games last season at home. You know, it's not a game to worry about chance creation in my eyes. I think it's more a game to get in and get out. And, and thank you very much. On to the next one. And as Yem said, Saturday we want to turn up at the Emirates. First game of the season there. The place will be absolutely rocking um, after the start we've made. The severe game, obviously the pre-season. It's very exciting. 
you never know. We might have another new signing by then. We've got players like Fabio Vieira to come back into the mix. So it's all very positive at the moment. And I think we'll see a lot more scenarios where the fullbacks are getting wide, where the wingers are getting wide and we're getting balls into the box. And Jesus is just going to gobble them up for fun because he's, he's certainly got the ability to be that six-yard box striker. But he can also, he can do a lot, which is so, so impressive to see. So, yeah, I completely understand there was a lack of chance creation, but I don't see it an issue. I don't see it as an issue at Palace away. I think it was just the way the game matured. And I think if we had gone in behind, gone behind and we had to make more chances, we might well have seen more. But I just think we had, the way we had control, it didn't exist. You know, it didn't have to exist. No, you're quite right. And I would agree with all of that. So hopefully that's answered your question, Aaron. Um, There's a, a comment here that I'm going to... Um, show and i'll just i'll have the i'll have the words on this but but tyson moreno says are we going to ignore party getting booed at every touch something he will experience at every ground how long can the media ignore look um i've spoken about this on this channel very very like light sort of low level um in previous shows there is obviously stuff that's happening that we know we've probably all read and speculated about in social media. It's not something that I'm clued up to speak about. I'm not well-placed to speak about it at all. I know it's important. I know it's hugely sensitive, um, but there's nothing I can add to that conversation. I think all we know, Tyson, is that, yes, everyone is. Everyone noticed that he was being booed in the game. Um, that is sadly going to happen as a result of everything that is being talked about in the media. And we just have to wait and see how that kind of unfolds. So it's not something that I, I really want to sort of elaborate any further on, but I appreciate you watching and obviously commenting. And a number of people have talked about Thomas Party in the in the chat, but it's just something that I don't, uh, you know, I don't have anything really of value to add to the conversation, but I know it's going to happen. Um, I want to move on uh, swiftly to uh, what we normally do about in the late night latte shows. The transfer window goes on. We are now you know, obviously one game played on the board. Yuri Tillemans has scored today. Um, you know, those are the players that we've been linked with recently. No real movement, nothing really sort of, you know, coming up to the surface, but was like you say, something might happen this week. Um, and of course, the departure lounge in terms of people that might be going out. Bernd Leno didn't play yesterday, will play for Fulham at some point. Uh, Charlie Patino, uh, of course, has now moved to Blackpool and there is an amazing video of Blackpool fans singing a chant to him in the concourse of their ground. It's phenomenal. If you've not seen it on social media, do Google that. As we've already covered, Tavares has scored on his debut for Marseille. Balogun's come on as a sub and, and is tearing things up in France as well. Um, so lone, lone watch, as it were, is going well. Departures, Torreira, is that now done? Galatasaray? Done. Is that, that, is, is... That, it's not official yet, but he's in Galatasaray. He's had the you know, the introduction, as in the tea okay. drinking and all this. So if <laughs> Galatasaray fans wait. will maim him. I cannot wait to cut him out of this photo. Um, <laughs> Hector Bellerin, I think Real Betis have just sold someone for a low shit Moreno of money. To, Moreno to uh, Nottingham Forest. So they, they need a right back, but they want him to break his contract. Whereas uh, they, they've got money now. So you can't, so it's, it, I, I think Arsenal may say, well, hold on, they've got money. They've got 10 million out of this. So where's where's the cash now? Well, let's let's wait and see. And Pablo Mari, who has apparently agreed terms with Monza uh, in no Italy. Verona, Verona, oh, Verona have, now. Oh, yeah, Verona yeah, have you come in doing this. Go on, and and have offered so Ver, Ver, so the offer from Monza is a loan with an obligation to buy if they are if they stay up. However, Verona have come in now with a with a proper offer, as in money. So it's kind of now which one Mari prefers, but also money straight up front. Whereas there's more money to come if if 
Monza stay up in 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 Serie A, which God knows. So I mean, I, I, I wish Pablo Mari well, but I couldn't care less if he signed for Domino's Pizza. I just want him gone, mate. We don't need him anymore. You know? no, but money, good luck. But to, good luck to money, them, actual money. Do you remember I said? Yeah, but I, I know. If we got anything, anything's better than nothing. I get that, but I mean, at this stage, you know, it's just it's just clear the squad and he, he's he's minimal fee and. A lot of these the loan moves have all been fantastic. Very, very promising, by the way. Very promising. They've been thought about. They've been well. Um, the Charlie Patino one's a Blackpool's class. I mean, remember Jackie Wilshire went on loan to Bolton, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, so it's very similar to that kind of give him some nitty, yeah, exactly. Give him some nitty gritty championship, and we'll see you in a couple of years, son. You know, it's it's, it's exciting, intelligent moves. Nuno's obviously gonna gonna either learn or make the mistakes elsewhere, so that isn't going to affect us. Um, yeah, and, and obviously uh, there's Balogun more. actually looked sharp as well. Do you know what? I just watched yeah. I watched the goal myself. He actually looked pretty sharp. It was, it was a ball in, good header. You can't complain. If he gets the goals, it only helps his development. The the big sadness for me is still Torreira because when he came in, I thought, you know, there is a player there. But his attitude, and I've said it on multiple shows that we've done, his attitude just stunk. As soon as he he said, I don't like this country. The way he's gone about it is not professional at all. And I just want him out. Just get him out. It's yeah, 7 million. We just need that deal to be done. Uh, Jacob Alexander has just said, oh, where have I lost the comment? Where have I lost the comment? There you go. Don't forget, uh, trusty yeah, Austin yeah. FK. Yeah, I, I've read actually on Twitter that he's had two really, he's been really games good for actually. Birmingham. So one to watch. Uh, he's a US centre-back, right? If I'm if I'm not mistaken. We got him from Colorado, from, you know, the, our associate club, Colorado, obviously. So not not much was thought about it, but it's actually a really good move to put him in putting in a Birmingham side, which is not amazing, but they need a defender, and he's going to be getting some hard you know hard yards in, and it looks like he is. Well, I tell you what, Yim, you've done your homework tonight, haven't you? Right, uh, <laughs> I want to know. We've just gone over the hour mark. Four hundred of you watching live right now. Hit like, hit like, hit like, please. It's greatly appreciated. Um, I do want to open up by well, let's let's have a look at it. Let's let's bring the league table up after one game. I know it's I know it's a bit cheesy, but we got to. No, do we got to talk way, about right? one place only. One place only. There is only one place there to start off because they cry. They're crying right now up in Manchester. You know, in the red half. Well, sorry, in London. What am I saying? <laughs> Well, look, as you can see on the on, on your screens now, courtesy of PremierLeague.com, of course, the old enemy are, are leading the way because they battered a really terrible Southampton team at home yesterday. Bournemouth notching their first win of the season already. Arsenal, of course, with our win at Sellers Park. Manchester City, yeah, as you described, the robotic machine sort of process that they have winning at West Ham. Newcastle beating New Boys Forest. And if you guys saw that Nottingham Forest set piece where the Forest had a corner... And you couldn't see a single Forest player. In yeah, the they, box. All... And they all come r- running in, and it just went straight to the goalkeeper. I'm sorry, um, this it's it just cheesy. It it just looked like you could play some music, cheesy music, and it it would be absolutely appropriate for that kind of set piece. It was. It, I mean, look, look, listen, it works, and it and it's you know it's genius. And if it doesn't work, you look absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Brighton Hove Albion, of course, and that should be the starting point of this conversation. Um, really impressive win against uh, a, a Manchester United team who have been a bit of a shambles for a number of years now. Um, was over the weekend, look, Liverpool dropped points at Fulham, Manchester City comfortable today at West Ham, uh, Spurs romping home against Southampton. We, of course, winning away at Palace. And, and, and of course, as I've just said, United being beaten at home. Any of those results that have kind of sort of shocked you, surprised you? Um, how are you feeling about this sort of first round of games? 
I mean, we know ourselves, I know it was COVID circumstances, but last year it just shows you how difficult the first game of the season could be, mate. So that's also another reason why it's so important to pick up three points. And I know early in the season, you, the best thing is, no matter what happens in sort of the first five or six games, you have got time to recover. But ultimately, at the end of the season, when you look back, it could be them five or six games that cost you the final position, you know? And that's why it's so, so important to have this settled squad, which we have. But I mean... Watching United today, I mean, they, they really are. I know Yem's taking great joy in it here, and, and, and there's a lot of us that are. And, and, you know, it's nice to see someone else actually struggling and being bantered for once. But, you know, you've got there's such a division there. The fans are fighting like it was at the Emirates. You know, you've seen incidents today, and and they just seem to have done really poor business. They've bought weird profiles of players. I mean, the way they set the team up today was just, I thought it was astonishing against a very energetic Brighton team. They just got overrun, and it was just. You know, it was really weird approach to the game from them. I mean, they've I, they've sat in up to start. I mean, their profile of players. See anything? Can... I, I didn't see anything of note that said there's an improvement. You know, Ten Hag's talk about hard work and all this rubbish. I saw nothing of that. I saw the same problems as before. That it's a your goalkeeper can't pass out, so you're trying to play the passing. It's like Leno. Look, all just you know, all respect to Leno. He's a great goalkeeper, but he can't pass out. You're asking a keeper to pass out you're already uh, you know debilitated because you can't teach a dog new an old dog new tricks it's not possible with goalkeepers but martinez and and maguire together just looked so unbalanced it was it it, it was shocking how how bad that looked um, no, sorry i was interrupting they had they had a they had a move i think joe's just said it uh Marco Anatovic. Yeah. I mean, oh, they made a bid for him at halftime, or that that was when the that was when the report broke, and then, of course, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quickly not happened because they've they've obviously dug up some of his uh, previous social media behaviour. But I just I can't understand what's going on at that club. Like, uh, I, I know I talk about United a lot because obviously growing up, I was I, I know more United fans than than fans of any other club, right? And and I'm still in contact with these people, and it is a joy to watch that club crash and burn, right? You know, it's it, it gives me endorphins, as the great Chris Eubank once said. But they are just a total mess. I mean, uh, I'm in trouble, says Maguire and Martinez, the new Tom and Jerry. I mean, they the really memes are. Going around, the memes going around. On, on, the memes going around on Martinez are just a joy at the moment. Sorry, Was. Go on, Was. No, I'm just going to say, I think, I think with regards to Man United, in years gone by... Um, they sort of lived off the back of being Man United and, and football's changed. It genuinely has changed. They're, they're still a superpower financially, of course they are, but there's so many other players that have come to the table. It's not enough anymore to be Man United. You know, and, and teams like Newcastle, they're going to try and enter the frame in five, six years. They're going to be up there because they're going to spend big money. They're going to try and push the boundary, push the levels. So now as a player, you know, it's not anymore. It's not, oh, wow, I want to go Man United. They're, you know, they're probably fifth, sixth choice at the moment. It used to be a stage where, okay, they're not doing great at the moment, but it's Man United, they'll be back. You know, and Fergie for years got them over the line, but they've since then, they've not found the formula. They've thrown money at it. The Glazers have thrown ridiculous money at it. You can't say they haven't because they have, but the decision-making, the, the regimes they've gone through, the people behind the scenes, and it's not easy. We've seen it. We've been through sort of two or three different sort of ways of operating and, and hopefully now we've come across a structure where sort of Edu and Arteta are there together and they're operating in tandem but we've had it before where we appointed people in different roles and we tried all this structure and you know and it just didn't work and Emery's clearly a good manager that didn't work out for us and it just weren't his place to be 
So you go through a bit of pain, but we seem to have um, touch wood come through the other side of that. Whereas Man United are well and truly in the shit, and they're, they're not reacting, they're not adapting the squad, they're not trying to move on to modern ways of playing, like Yem's talking about De Gea and things like that. I mean, where we've gone and spent the money on Ramsdale, they've, they've not reacted to that. Dean Henderson's not that ball playing keeper. I mean, just all over the pitch, the, the, the players that they've got operating. I mean, Christian Eriksen, Cristiano Ronaldo, like, all these players are like, what are they thinking? It's just madness. And I, I, it, I suspect was there's going to be a few more panic buys before the end of the window. But yeah, oh, what, 100%. What we add? Yeah. Yeah. Did what, I'm going to just add on to what Will said. There is no structure at Man United, or none that I can see. If they have one, fantastic. But I don't see it being executed because Arsenal, look, look, and maybe it's being biased. And of course I'm going to be. But at least there was a coherent plan this season of what we're going to buy. Last season there was. Man United just seemed to be like, so Eric, what do you what do you fancy? Why don't we just get the Ajax boys to back together? You know, we'll just get Anthony, we'll get Lissandro, we'll do all this. But it hasn't turned out. We all know Lissandro Martinez was not the first choice either. It was it was Yuri and Timber. So what does that say to the plan? But I don't, which I don't think exists. I don't think there is a coherent plan in place. And I think that's what's going to cause Man United's downfall. Because if you're looking at Anatovic, with all due respect to him, he is he's past the Premier League now. He's in Bologna. That's the level. But if you're asking for it, it's like Odian Igalo a couple of years ago. It was. It's a baffling signing. I know that it's hard to get strikers, but if you're struggling as Man United to get forward players in or even attract a player, there are some serious issues to, to look at. And I thought today, I didn't, you know, they, they got their goal through a very scrappy mix-up with the goalkeeper and their defender. So it wasn't exactly like they played amazing football. In fact, I thought it was pretty tedious tedious from Man United. I didn't see anything from them that I was like, wow. But I will caveat that by saying it's Man United. And when you go to Old Trafford, you know the, you know what happens. I, I, I'm I have not, to apologise to all Arsenal fans. Uh, I have got a ticket and I'm going yes, to Old Trafford. And, we're, and my jinx we're, will continue. We're, uh, but look, before we end the show, I'm going to ask for your key takeaways for the first sort of weekend. So just a couple of points each about anything that you've maybe seen. But before we do that, we might have some breaking news thanks to Emmanuel Adebayo. I love these names that come through, Grumpy Doctor. Oh, uh, Yem, you've just mentioned the private chat that Hector Bayerin has been pictured at the airport with his Real Betis full kit on. Is that Please right? Please let it be true. Please let it be true. He has been pictured at, his air, at the airport with a Betis bag. It's like the Torreira one. Just just let it be. Because look. Inshallah. Bellerin, <laughs> as as inshallah. we always say. But right, you know, the uh, thing is, he, he's, he's done well. Look, he's had his time. It's time to go. Thank you for everything. Listen, just quickly uh, before you move on with that, uh, Bellerin, I just want to say, I fully wish him all the best. I watched him as a 16-year-old down at Barnet at Underhill. He really stood out there and he signed as a little skinny right winger. You know, he developed quickly. And, and I remember watching him in that reserve team alongside Coquelin and them two stood out as top, top-level players that were going to play for Premier League sides one day. You know, Bellerin went for his career. He's, he's always represented the club and as a man. And he's always stood up. He stood up to AFTV, whether people like it or not. He stood up for what he believed with there. He's always tried to do the right thing by the club. Unfortunately, since his injuries and things like that, it just hasn't panned out for him. But he'd give us a good 10 years of service. And I, I really genuinely do hope. This is why I'd be happy to let him go for free. Forget the money. Thank you very much, Hector, for everything you've done for the Arsenal. And I wish him all the best at Betis. And hopefully he continues to you know, see out the next five years of his career injury-free and, and gets to yeah. play and, and enjoys football. But 
yeah, of course we want him gone and improve on it. But as a personal note, I really enjoyed watching his growth and his development. And I took a fond liking to him when he was back in that, you know, reserve team. And I saw him come through the ranks and I was very impressed with the way he acted and, and represented the club. So, you know, all the best to him, I say. <sighs> Mate. <clears throat> as all the chats are sort of coming in, everyone's everyone's feeling the same. I think wonderful, loyal servant to the club and a great man off the pitch. Had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times, talked about all sorts of things. Um, talked about, you know, non-football things and, and how he helped, wanted to help in the community and be a sort of leader and inspiration to like the next generation. And he's just, a, he's a really, really good egg. So hopefully, Hector, if you get your move, obviously we wish you the very best in case you ever stumble across this little channel and and, and tune in. Um, Right, I want to close the show by talking about key takeaways from the weekend. Yeah, you've described Manchester City as a machine. It's all very robotic. I don't think any of us are surprised that they've notched up their first win. And of course, Erling Haaland on the score sheet. We've put, we've the three of us have talked at length about Manchester United and how much of a mess they're, they're in. Lots of comments coming in about Villa being a surprise, Leicester City, classic Leicester, go 2-0 up, mess it all up, Brendan Rodgers FC all over. Brighton, I mean, Potter. Could he be the next manager at a really, really giant club? I mean, what are your key takeaways? I mean, yeah, let's start with you. Any, any, you know, one or two things that you take away from, from the opening weekend of the Premier League? Erling Haaland is going to be a monster because from what I saw today, it, we all knew it was going to come. But, you know, after that first weekend at the Charity Shield, everyone's saying, oh, he's, he's not that good. He is that good. My God. I watched him during that game and he just looks like a, a, a thoroughbred on the pitch. And that second goal... The movement. Do you know what? It's not his attributes. It's his his brain. Everyone is saying that, and I actually understand that. The movement he's got is insane, and he's going to be. He will be probably the top striker in the league. Well, um, I think Alan Shearer's tweet was quite quite telling in that he said, "Right, only two hundred and fifty eight goals to go now, Erling." And I think he, I think he knows deep down that he's probably going to break the record if he stays, of course, in the Premier League for that long. But you're right. He's just, you know, I can't even believe we were having, you know, there were people that were like, you know, is he going to be, is he going to have an impact in the Premier League? I mean, it was, it was. It just, was do you know what? He's not even up to speed with Man City's play. Can you imagine when he is? That is frightening. It's, it, yeah. you know, he, he that pass today, you know, from Kevin De Bruyne as well. This is what I'm looking for from, you know, uh, Erdegaard to Kevin Jesus. The ball was defence splitting. Erling Haaland literally knew what was going to happen and was on it like a, like a shot it was um it was unreal how and it just told me look darwin nunez and let's let's talk talk another another point darwin nunez made a difference for liverpool against fulham he did he made the difference and that's why they got back into the game but it's the difference in player profile one is a very battering ram type player the other is a thoroughbred and i can tell already it's going to be a good competition but i see erling Haaland longer term being more of a you know, delivering more of, of the goals. <clears throat> I just think that he's got all the attributes. The other takeaways I had were, it's been an interesting start. You know, Chelsea didn't, I, I wasn't particularly, uh, they, they've got issues. Chelsea's, Chelsea's issues from the 4-0 defeat at us still linger. They got a goal through Jorginho, but it was a poor performance. I didn't think it, they lacked anything up front. Werner's gone now. So that's official. So Werner's actually gone, he gone? on a permanent. Is it official? He's gone, he gone on a permanent. And Callum Hudson Odoi could follow suit, apparently. So we shall see. Just, was any closing observations from you from from game weekend one, uh, or actually, is it just you know this is the way the Premier League is going to go this year? Just I think my take was the three beasts. I think Erling Haaland beast, Big Willie a beast, and I think that um, Ten Hag looks like a, a bit of a weird beast. 
That's it, really, for me. <laughs> Wonderful. I love that. Did you, did you that. see his pre-interview? I actually have to say, did you see his pre pre-match interview? Very he's strange so, guy. He's a very it's like intensity, focus. It's very it's uncomfortable. Like, what dude. But what I would say about United is um I think I remember United fans really like giving it big after they beat Liverpool. Was it in a friendly 4-0 or something? And they're like, oh, we're back. You know, Anthony Martial at 34 years of age is finally going to have a good season, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they've just been I'm honestly going to go watch wonderful. some of the comments. I'm, this is what I'm doing after this. I'm actually well, I'm going to go, go watch Match of the Day now. So, yeah. Well, look, thank you very much for joining. There are 400 people still watching right now. All of you, can you just hit like before you go? I'd really appreciate that. And if you're new around here, hit subscribe because Latte Firm is not here to take part. We are here to take over. And it is going really strong as we go on this road to 20,000 subscribers. Um, was thank you so much, mate. I know it's warm in, Cheers, your, in your gaff at the minute. I uh, love the shirt. <laughs> Have a lovely week. Uh, and, you know, good luck and best wishes, obviously, to, to the family. Yem, thank you as well for for, 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 for tuning in and for contributing. Anybody who wants to follow was is Arsenal was on Twitter. And, of course, Yem is Verge59. So, look. Uh, Leicester next week we'll have a we'll have a late night latte in the week there might even be a signing so we might have a breakdown uh, let's see kind of how we go but until next time see you soon look after yourselves and up the Arsenal 